we're back. Part two with Sheena Sharp. Continue. Okay, Sheena, the question I asked you, what, is, what do you think of the word affordable housing? We've used it so many times. What's your take on that? It's like the magic word. Oh, he used it. You know what? At some point, you just have to, to face the fact that poor people are not bad people. And why do I say that? Because we just keep changing the words, right? Yes. Social housing. Oh, that gets a bad name. Let's call it something else, you know. And I worked for ages for, um, we were doing a, a housing cost study with uh, one of the big developer associations. The OAA was participating in this. And they kept saying, we can't call it affordable housing. We have to call it housing people can afford. Uh, okay. <laughs> we'll try to remember to say that. I, you know, I was doing some work in a municipality north of here. And we were trying to get an affordable housing project through and everybody hated it, right? Because they think, oh, somehow, somehow there are a group of people who are poor and undesirable and we just don't want to have anything to do with them, right? So I was saying, well, guys, let's look at the dem demographics here. Most of the people who we have on our uh, social housing list in this area, something like 75% of them were over 65. So they're seniors. And something like 80% of those guys were women. And why? Because those guys were the women who in 1960s were making 60% of what their husbands were making. Their husbands are dead. They have no pension. If they're lucky, they have a little bit of his pension. And in this particular case, it's rural. So they're living in the woods. And when they get so that they're nervous about driving at night or something, they just start eating really bad food because they can't get anywhere, right? Those are the people we're trying to get housing for. And one of the people in the audience who I knew said, oh, that's my grandmother. Like, no shit, people. Oh my God. Like, these people... People don't, people don't get, like, the community is broad. Um, if you don't want to be making lattes yourself at, at your local Starbucks, then maybe the people who work there should be able to live close by. Maybe we need to be able to live in mixed communities. Maybe we, you know, that it, it becomes, it becomes really, really important. Maybe we need to be able to have, like I was saying, to at the doorstep in municipal in the municipal election saying like we need complete communities we need places for people to move out to to their very first home we need a family starter home we need family grow homes we need downsizing homes you don't want it like i was talking to, to a guy and saying you know you want you really want to drive an hour to see your grandchildren he said actually it's three hours i have to drive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like your kids your kids, you know, people, people say, oh, well, you know, they're going to move to, to Barrie or Owen Sound, all great places, okay? Nothing wrong with Barrie, nothing wrong with Owen Sound, but suddenly we're all moving around. You know, your kids move to Calgary, your parents move to Owen Sound. What does that do for your life? It means you better like your car because you're going to be driving a lot. Like, it Someone described it to me in an, a, a really interesting way. They said, let's say you were having a family meal 
and you put the salad in one room and the main course in another, the dessert in another, drinks in another. So people had to walk from room to room to fill up their place. That's how we live. You know, we have our kids over here as you, because it's economically based. So as you make more money, get a little bit of a foothold as you get older, you can afford to move here then you can afford to move there. This is craziness. We need complete communities that have something for everybody within walking distance. It's something for like, and it is your family we're talking about. We're not talking about some like undesirable people who are gonna rent these places. It's your kids who are gonna rent these places. Like, come on people. So, so I, I know I'm, I'm sort of like ranting and raving when all you said was affordable housing. Oh, no, I like it. I like your... You really have to think about like more like a community system because there, so everybody has their limit for what they can afford. Yeah. And so housing people can afford. Okay. But we have to look at the people within our community and what they're making and figure out how, how to get housing that's affordable to the whole range of those people. And no, they're not undesirable. And they're also, you're talking segregation here about the whole, uh, sorry, got blank here, segregation here, right? About the whole community thing. Okay, one question is, who can afford affordable housing? Like who, who can afford affordable housing, right? Oh, you mean by the definitions that the, the, the yeah. um, problem? Like, can you, afford, okay. can you afford affordable housing? Are you, are you that category to get in there? Um, Mostly it's not means tested. Like the, the government, the federal government sets the definition for affordable housing, right? So for example, my project in Sudbury has to meet that definition. And that means you take the average wage in the community, then you um, divide it by three, and then you make 80% of that. So that would be affordable. And at the same time, you have to be 90% of the average going rate, both of those things, okay? The problem is that when you have a broad spectrum of people, like if you define it like that, you're defining it around average, when you have a broad spectrum of people, there's gonna be a whole bunch of people who are not gonna be able to afford it, or they will afford it. They're just gonna be spending more than 30% of their income, maybe 50 or 60%, right? So again, I go back to, that um, I'm very suspicious of some of these ideas when, when they talk about, um, you know, inclusive housing. So you have to have so much housing with a building at a lower rate. Oh, that's, yeah. Which just means the people at, who are paying market rate are paying more market rate. Yeah. And there's very few levels of people in this whole system that can afford market rate anyway. So we're just making it higher. Right. Kind of the the uh, promises when they make a what's the, what's the, uh, the thing's called, but uh, if you get a condo built, you get so many for so much for affordable housing percentage, right? So what you're talking yeah. about? What's, what's the, inclusion, uh, inclusionary zoning is what they're talking yeah. about. And one of the things they're talking about is they're saying, well, um, you don't have to, you know what development charges are, right? So they won't have to, the affordable units won't have to pay development charges, which is a big deal. Like in our project in Sudbury, we were paying $600,000 development charges, which is a lot of money for 56 units, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so 
you look at that and you say, and people say, well, you know, the new housing should pay for for all the infrastructure. No, it shouldn't. No, it shouldn't. And property taxes are going to have to go up. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. You think it should have gone up a long time ago? I think they probably should have gone up a long time ago. We should probably make that calculation more transparent so people can understand. Because the idea of development charges has always been they're paying for the extra capacity that the new development would put on the services in the area, right? And, but at some point, the area needs more than maintenance. It needs, like if, if something's 50 years old, you're gonna have more sewer pipes going out than they were when they were built, right? There comes a point where, where the maintenance starts to ramp up. And I think that there also comes a point where we have to say, what is the balance in the city? Like we need, um, there's less and less people living in the single family homes because there's not as much turnover. There's not as many young families. There used to be five people through kids to adults, not anymore. Well, housing's down now. Like we just did a, did a report the other day. I got, I got buddies in the building development. I got a lot of guys working. Foreman, I've talked to guys. They all, they all, none of them know each other. They all say the same thing. We're building empty condos. They're being used. They're using for uh, what do you call it? Bed and breakfast. What do you call that term? Uh, oh, Airbnb. Airbnb. Yeah, they're they're empty. They say we're building these condos. They got one uh, one guy's son is building Richmond Hill. I think three condos. Take another yeah. two years to build the other one. He said, "Is there just building empty air? <laughs> you know, it's not being filled. So all this demand is not as much as they think or as they thought." Do you think that that's? I think the city passed a bill, a, a bylaw against Airbnb. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was fair. It seemed fairly effective to me. Yeah. And I think, but I think, you know, there's a lot of speculation. And I know when I was door knocking in the, the part of the riding north of here, like all of the rental apartments are absolutely full. In my word, I'm just telling you about, you know, what I can see as I'm knocking on doors. But the housing to the north is not. And I was canvassing with a friend who lived there. And she said, Sheena, like, we can go out walking at night and we don't see anybody. Like, you know, a lot of people or some people, they like to, after dinner, they like to go for a little walk, get some exercise. Um, and they, they would say, we don't see any people in our neighborhood anymore. And part of that is because real estate, when the world is so topsy-turvy, even if you own your house, even if you are moving out of the city, it, it's like a safe place to keep your money, right? Some yeah. of them are Airbnbs, the houses, north of the city, existing houses. Some of them are Airbnbs, but some of them are just empty. And that has to do with um, the, the um, tax incentives or the way that our taxes are structured. I don't know if you realize it, but Mike Morris with the Federal Green Party, he has a bill before parliament where he's trying to change the tax system so that you, you have to pay um, like business tax on profits if you sell a house that you, it's already there, but it, he wants to make it stricter. So it becomes less attractive for people to buy houses as investments so that more people can live there. I personally believe that, um, 
I get, I get the, I think the big thing about, it's not so much renting, but the big thing about, um, two things about housing, one is tenure. And when you're renting, right now anyway, like I know I hate moving, but the idea that someone could come along and say, oh, you know, you're out, I'm gonna do whatever I'm gonna do, repaint it, put in a new fridge, get a new tenant at twice the amount. So you, if you don't have security of tenure, your, your life is a little bit um, at risk, right? And one thing ownership gives you is security of tenure. And years ago, um, like in the 90s, one of my friends who had been a World War II vet, so he was 90 then, he's, he's gone now. But he bought one of the first condos in Toronto. And it was for poor people. He had left the army. He didn't have a lot of money. He bought into this building. He bought, it's, it's 40 Homewood, which is right downtown. I don't know if you know Homewood. That's the first condo in Toronto. And he bought, and a bunch of other people um, who were also poor, bought units in this building, right? And at the beginning, it was very community-oriented. Um, I think that kind of changed with the property management system is a little bit iffy in condos. I think that that's something that the government should pay attention to but um but he said so all of these people bought these condos and suddenly their lives are stable right you don't have to move all you have to do is figure out how to keep paying the mortgage which was extremely reasonable so as long as you can do that you're not on the street and he said that there were people he had made a lot of money investing and doing other things he said, there are many people in this building who are millionaires. There are other people who bought in, pay their rent through their pensions, and they spend their time talking to their cats, knitting and watering the plants. And that's fine, right? Whatever they want to do with their lives, it's your life. It's your time to spend. But, but no one in that building who bought in originally ended up on the street again. No one. Because you have, you have a secure place. And so... That's, I think, what we really have to, when we talk about housing, it's, it's not just affordability, it's stability, it's, it's access to services around you, it's all of these ideas. And so it's, it's, it's so important to push all of this stuff at the same time. Amazing. And that's why I think either nonprofits or co-ops, they give stability because they have no interest in kicking people out to get higher rents, yeah. right? So unless you like you know, run through the hall screaming naked, you've got, they're not going to kick you out. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's kind of, you know, it, if we have that, if we have, like people should be able to buy into condos with, we need to reform the condominium act. I know they did a little bit of it about three years ago, but reform the condominium Act to give people more control. Um, the good thing about not, Nonprofits and and um, co and co-ops is they tend to be um, like because it's not owned by the residents they they tend to be a little bit more stable. I mean, when I say more stable, um, one of the pro art professors in the architecture school at at U of T said one of the problems with condos is that. They're run by amateurs, smart amateurs, but amateurs. 
So he said, it's kind of like getting onto a 747 with a little, uh, with a pilot that's only been certified on like a, a propeller plane, right? Will they be able to land? Probably. <laughs> but would you get on the plane? And then you see some of the things that are happening in condos, like people pay more attention to the decoration than they pay to the heating systems and all of those kinds of things, which is really important for the long term. But a lot of people don't understand these things because they're too complex. So what am I saying? So I'm saying we really need better governance, easier governance in the condos. We need to pay attention to that. But we need to also pay attention to how to give people stable housing. Long term. When I talk about the condos, and they always advertise the condos, they all show the, the lovely lobby. It's so yes. beautiful. And I mean, yes. I also like, okay, what, what you, why are you showing, I, I'm not gonna live there, you know? Why do I look at it? Every ad has got a nice lobby, you know, or nice lounge area when you walk in the apartment, like, you know? Tell me how many people look at their buddies at the condos and just hang out in the lobby or, <laughs> no, let's, I don't wanna go to your condo, let's go hang out in the nice lounge over there, it's beautiful. It was advertised, you know? It looks nice. Not looking nice is okay. It's worth something. <laughs> but take a look at the mechanical room and see what that looks like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's go sit there. I'm going to ask you a question back to the B&B. Uh, 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 do you remember a while back, uh, uh, son, he wanted to move his father in, and they had a little uh, like a little house or a shack in the back of the, the uh, backyard. And the, and he wanted to get it approved. He wanted his father in, like right there. You know, I yeah. shot in the backyard. Yeah. It's just a... I was a little house or whatever, like a shack, but and everything was all passed, you know, certified all this, but the uh, the city wouldn't sign off in it, you know. Do you remember that? No, and I know that um, at one point the city was forced into those garden units, and I believe that they're legal everywhere in the city right now. I know I was talking to a guy on Lawrence. Who had been through the ringer trying to get one before it was legal and i told them like the, the province has just passed it they have to let you do it now yeah. you don't have to fight them anymore right yeah. so that's another way of intensifying to have the secondary suite in a different unit in the backyard well yeah like i did canvassing in etobicoke and uh yeah. chile area there's lots yeah. over there like they, i asked people i said is this is this approved they said hell no I said, we're not going to tell anybody. So I'm not. <laughs> it's fine with me, you know. But that's how, that's what it's come down to. You know, and they're all relatives living in the uh, backyard, the shacks. I saw, yeah. I, saw quite, I saw quite a few, like actually, you know, those uh, sh the backyard sheds. They yeah. actually extend, they actually had two or three together to make it like livable. They put heat, they showed me, they put heating, electricity, cable, yeah. everything. I said, uh, who lives here? She says, my, uh, my, my mother lives here with her boyfriend, you know, because they can't yeah. afford anywhere else and we don't want to put them in a home because that's expensive yeah that's exactly, Homes exactly. Are expensive, you know no, like my mother are, my mother got so many senior friends and like they just uh one son just took his mom out of the uh the uh seniors home she was paying like six grand a month yes and now he's living she, she, he got a room for her so he put her there so he's taking her money and invested it rather than taking it for himself which is nice but i'm just saying yeah. six thousand dollars for uh I remember, and that's just one example. My mom has another. They're rich. They're rich. They spend sixteen thousand dollars a month for two of them, and they've got six kids and so many grandkids. But they got money. I mean, they want to live there. It's high end. Yeah. I I ask, where is sixteen grand going to senior citizens? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> one of my friends, they got together. Um, 
there were uh, three brothers and a sister, and the sister was the oldest and more frail. Like, and so the brothers got together and said, okay, we can put her in one of these $6,000 a month places, or we can rent a two-bedroom apartment, and we can hire like a nanny. Yeah. And they, you know, give the nanny a computer, give the because a lot of these um the the nannies in um Canada are people like from the Philippines. Oh yeah. They're here on a work contract and they sort of work to to get um permanent residency. So you give people a computer and internet so they can talk to their families, they can do this. And that is way cheaper. Um and way better. Like so so you give people like an Uber account so they can they can go out to lunch. They could do these things to me. And that you're still way under the $6,000 a month, yeah. right? At some point, I mean, my own mom is thinking that um, she might want to, she's always said she didn't want to go into a, a home yet. She would do that when she's less mobile. And it's all, COVID has really hurt her and a lot of her friends a lot yeah. because they didn't get as much exercise. They weren't out as much. And so their bodies have sort of slowed down more quickly, right? And so now she's saying, okay, well, I'd rather go into some place because then I can, um, you know, there's someone to have lunch with, right? Yeah. I don't have to go outside yeah. and in order to meet people. And otherwise I just get lonely. And I can see that, but where is she going? She's going into a nonprofit. Right. And a nonprofit that's been there for a long time. My mother could never afford six thousand dollars a month. No. Um, but um but she, a lot of these seniors back then when they uh, moved into the condos back then, they, they had no pensions. And now uh, oh exactly. Or you, have, or you have CPP, right? Yeah, but it's only so much CPP. Yeah. And also the other one, right? Hmm. OA. And so, yeah, um, I mean, I think it, it's really tricky and it's really tricky partly because housing is not just like some people call it warehousing, you know, we're warehousing our seniors. Yes, we are because we're, we have this medical model for long-term care homes as opposed to like, it's, it's your home guys. It's a residence. It shouldn't be like, like the Marines or something, right? Everyone gets up at the same time. <laughs> Everyone makes their bed. Everyone goes for breakfast. Like, are you kidding me? Hey, that'd be a good seer so military runs a military seer so Exactly. But that's but that's what they are, right? You're supposed to go for dinner stand after attention. Every dinner. Stand attention. Check out your teeth. <laughs> there was one in Montreal that I thought was really interesting, had possibilities. And I've been thinking about this. Like, if I ever got to run one of these things, I would try this. So they had a restaurant. And they had it on the ground floor, right? So the people who lived there could just go and eat at the restaurant, like they had, they had meal tickets, but people from the public could also come in and eat at the restaurant. Yeah. And that kind of makes sense to me because, you know, I was working in a, in a, doing a development plan for a long-term care home and looking at the cost of the food. And that's when everyone comes down and eats at the same time. In the same community, I was working for a restaurant and they serve way more meals. They have a menu of like 20 items. You can pick anything you want. 
and and I talked to the guy who was running the the uh, long term care, and I said, well, why aren't we doing something like this? And he said, well, Shana, it's kind of like the rules, like we have to. There's nutrition and this and that. He says it's almost like the revenge of your kids. You know, they show up and they say, well, are there enough peas in this diet? Like, like you're 90. Eat French fries. Go for it. Like, what's the problem here? I got a, I, I got had my Yofos hangout crap on the COVID bed. All we met, it's like five of us. And one of the guys, a gentleman, he works for the TIA front of the school board, and he goes to a different school promoting nutrition. And he says to me, I didn't know. He said, Canada is one of the few countries, maybe not the only one, does not have a nutritional guide, a national nutrition guide. We have a good guy, but not a yeah. nutrition guide. And he said, I told him, you know what? If you want to do it, let's work together and let's start something up. I'm rather than have that. Because we have a nutrition guide, like you said, the yeah. like calories and all. We have a food guide, little pictures and all that. That's fine. But that's not nutrition. That's just guideline, right? But yeah. I, was, I was surprised. He said, Canada, and he's talking from experience, working uh, 15 years with the school board. He says, I grew up promoting a special needs. Also, we talk, I talked about ODSP, I was, I was promoting with the election. Yes. Uh, and that's the thing. Like I talked to uh, Isabel's on ODSP. We talked about nutrition. Like they get the cheap stuff, they go there, it's not nutrition, like dollar ammo, right? They get like carbs or like one point something for um, a good carb, like a good pasta brand. When you go to a cheaper brand, like a dollar ammo, you're not getting that same. So that's what he says. That's when you, if you have a nutrition program, they got to implement it in the government. So if you're going to feed, Poverty and ODSP, you have to go by this guy that's stated there. You cannot just let them go buy garbage or, you know, even treat them like garbage, right? Even if people, I talked to some uh, people on uh, disabilities that have a uh, dietary problem, and they and it's you can see the frustration. I said, let me do if I can help you out. And you say, okay, then, uh, we, we've done this before. We're just feedback. We're just totem poles for advertisements. I said, you know what they they said like uh, uh, lactose intolerance, you know, yeah. uh, gluten free, but like, like you get extra. You get extra money for that. Yeah, not I know. A lot. Not no, a lot. no, but it's but not in the. Uh, it's really surprising when during the I talked the election with one of the uh, candidates. It's surprised that with all the food banks, this is my idea. Like in the election, I said, why don't we have a coalition, like a, a website, you know, and also put a side for dietary needs because there's so many. Have people you ever? Have you ever taken a look at the stop? Yeah. They they have three parts, right? Yeah. They have emergency food. So they have like a soup kitchen, classically, it would be called a soup kitchen, right? You go in, you, you can get a meal. It's like a restaurant, right? And then they have a food bank and then they have gardens. And um, so you can grow your own food and you there comes a community of people who are growing their own food and they have like classes and education for just, and that sounds kind of boring and do-gooding, but like the one that the one that's up on um, St. Clair there at Witchwood Barnes. So they were they essentially said, yeah, well, you know, we get people who are kind of from the same backgrounds. And so they'll they'll like um, cook, they'll grow food and cook food that is sort of fit to an Italian menu. And then people will like cook and share their ideas with other people who are yeah who belong, who have different backgrounds, right? And so they're growing different things. And so it becomes, it's not <clears throat> as, like, you have to think of things as a community and enjoyment and, and sharing things. And, and be, yeah, community again, and being able to, to develop things and engage your mind with things and have fun with things, right? Just see my, so, uh, I did a two video part on a couple from Lisbon, Portugal. Did you see the yeah. part then? 
No. They had a whole thing. What they had a whole. They did five different cities around Europe. They talked yeah. about housing, planning, uh, food, food yes. growing. Yeah, I. If you get check it, I, I I had an interview with them. I okay. I pulled them up. I, I messaged them. It was great. And it, it's just yeah. so insane. I told that I guess the people here they're laughing. Like, really, you're gonna go fruit on a roof? Like, <laughs> what's so wrong with that? They got greening on city hall. So what's the big deal? I mean. To them, I don't know, it's just, it seems they're reminded in such a way and people say, like, we see this in Europe, like, we can't do this over here. Why not? You know, because we're a climatized city, you know, we're a good by yeah. class, you know. We had one of our in university debate, we had a, food is my thing, because I was, I love, I had a plan for food distribution. I took it off one of the uh, harvest, uh, uh, second harvest lady, I forget her name, but I want to talk to her. But uh, that category here during the, the university was none of us mere candidates. Everybody had the category, but they were touched on food. That was my thing. So I explained in detail my, my plan. I laid down a picture. I can be done. It's done in Europe. It's done overseas. It's done. I said, I, I explained the media. It can't be done because they were arguing that you can't grow stuff on the ground when it's cold, but it's thermal. You can build it. It's over there. They do it in Europe. It's thermal. The ground, I said, the ground is only so deep. I've dug into this. You go further down, the ground is warm, right? You bring that warmth up and you grow. It's done. It's, it's already been done. Why can't it be? Oh, it's, it's no, yeah, it's absolutely already been done. And they're absolutely like, I, I can find you plans for that, right? Yeah. So they're like half sunken greenhouses because you only have to go down around four to five feet. See? So you're the only one I'm talking about, right? So once you're there and you yeah. insulate the sides and yeah. you put in the glass, so, but you can't grow everything. Like it's not no, only no. tropical in That's there. The yeah. But you can grow, you can grow certain crops over the winter and then different crops in the summertime. I mean, we've got, so, we've got we've got greenhouses for flowers. Why can't we have it for vegetables, right? Exactly. Why can't we have it for vegetables? And like, because it's cheaper yeah. from it's it's cheaper, like from California, and it's cheaper from Florida. So I get I get that that the cost of food is is important. We do apparently pay less for food than anywhere else in the world, yeah. right? So and and partly we start to lose quality for that. Have you been to Nofrils lately? I, 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 my office is right beside a Nofrils. I'm at one over here. I don't, I don't. Uh, people got mad because I'm not playing local. Because I went there. There's one over in Nofrils. Seriously, I've been like since Christmas. Yeah. You'll buy a cucumber on sale. It's in your hand. It's like oozing out of your hand. Like someone, yeah. are you selling this really? So I said I'm gonna go yeah. to Walmart and buy American or whatever, and they get mad. But you know what? I gotta save money. I know. I'm not gonna pay to 129 for a soggy cucumber. Go get 88 cents at Walmart. You're on a budget. People don't realize it becomes a balance. Like everything can't cost money. We need to. We need to lower the the price of housing. No. We need to like. We will need to spend more for food because we're gonna have to be growing it ourselves, right? Yeah. Well, so I, I lived in Montreal. I put that in my talk about my platform. They have community gardens. They have a system set up where people can grow like a neighborhood, say like down Rosedale. People can. Yeah. But the government sponsors, they give us seed, seed packages or what vegetables or uh, fruit or whatever. You can sell it, grow in your backyard, sell it for yourself, make a profit. And you also sign with all of the, there's a website, local restaurants can sign up and they can see what the list and then people that are locally gardening, growing, you're like, oh, they want you're this. Feeding so, those restaurants. Exactly. You're feeding yeah. each other, you're cycling, but you're also making money for yourself for, as an income. You're feeding yeah. the community and it's a lot cheaper than going to a big grocery store and getting soggy cucumbers, right? It's done in Montreal. Well, yeah. Yeah, and the other way to do it is to say, okay, guys, I've got a backyard. It's a bowling alley. I just got a lot of trees in it, so it's almost a forest. But part of it could be farmed, right? So I'll rent you. 
like for a small amount, yeah. maybe, maybe tomatoes, maybe paid in tomatoes, not yeah. sure. But for a small amount, you can garden here because I'm going to be working over there. And every time I try to garden something, it, it either dies or the raccoons <laughs> eat it or. <laughs> but I, remember when I used to bike in Montreal, I used, to, I used to have a routine. After work, I go with my little bag, my buggy, and they had like in French, all the different sides, tomatoes, some have flowers, yeah. vegetables, some having like, uh, some even, sometimes even had meat, like they're frozen, yeah. right? But it was only for the day. So I buy it and like, I, I never cost like so much. And it's like, and it's all listed, it's all the web. You go to certain neighborhoods where they have available. It's all routine. Yeah. Right? And you give money to the the, uh, the tenant or the, the owner. They got some money for themselves. They recycle it. And they'll, yeah. I talked to, I talked to them. They said, we, a lot of stuff we we have over, like say we got like too many tomatoes. We don't want to waste it. So we sign up with the website, the local restaurants and branches. Yeah. Food banks, sorry. Also food banks, also uh, people with special needs. It's all listed there, and then we just give the produce. Yeah. It's not bad. It's fresh fruit. Let's go. We need to have that year because right now, like you said, we're starving. And the like, lady at Harvest said last year they spent what nine hundred million wasted in food because there's no distribution. That's why I did this plan about the election. Have a distribution. There's a warehouse, but they say well, we don't want a warehouse. It's all cost efficient. But you know what? But this is also like capitalism and the fact that we're so far apart yeah. because what. What some of the food stores were saying was, well, you know, we have these, these um, the people who are selling us vegetables, they want to sell it to us all year long. So if we want it in the winter, we have to buy it in the summer. That means we can't buy local produce. Yeah. So right. then the local produce has to go through these. And I don't, the local produce goes through these like um, farmers markets and whatever. And I knew, no, they do get some local produce in our big stores, but but the fact that it gets controlled, that we've built up this system, that means we're so far away from our food. Exactly. So, you know, it, it, it's really frustrating and it's so fragile. Like it's only gonna keep, take a couple more years. Now it's, uh, California is flooding now, right? Yeah. It's only well, gonna yeah. take a couple more well, years yeah. of disaster. With the Ukraine, we, had, we couldn't get any, uh, what was it, was, he in, was it, what the flour? They make wheat, yeah, but so do yeah, wheat. they grow wheat, but so do we. We grow, yeah, yeah. We, we export a lot of wheat, right? Yeah. Except, you know, because I'm from Manitoba, right? And so, um, not last year, the year before, like 30% of the crops didn't fail. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is climate change. This is, yeah. we are coming into to a really tough time. We're not doing anything about it. And we're not strategically looking about how to protect ourselves. And this is why I'm running, right? Why I keep running, because I don't see them doing it. I see them like the NDP, you know, lovely people. <laughs> no, every time you try to stop a pipeline, the steelworkers union stands up and says, you can't do that. You have to, no, well, you you know, we there's so many of these, these little impediments to actually changing this thing. Yeah. that we need this is why this is why i decided to throw my lot in with the green party because the idea is more that we need a planet first we can have a thriving economy and a social system and community but it has to be built on a healthy planet yeah we have to do that and the way that the, they're doing it the ndp for example it's no it's like jobs 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 and if it happens to work out well maybe we'll address the climate like that's not going to work 
Yeah, right. I was pick your I was pick your brain about this whole my views of all these climate groups. I sign on with conferences and different ones. I'm not going to be names, but honestly, <laughs> I think it's a waste of time. They're not nothing's getting done. I mean, it's all like, hey, we got a climate group. We need some money from the government. Support us. You know, they, there's a guy on the Twitter. His name's uh, something Clark. He's also oh, John, John, not John Clark. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he's with uh, the Ontario Poverty reduction that guy yeah 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 with the gray hair he just had not i talked to him on the message he just had to go from the shoulder operation i want to do an interview with him okay. right but okay. i said i want to get you on but he said like his tweets are all like it's all a farce he says it this is all a, this is all a gimmick the whole the whole uh, climate thing so he's saying one guy says the opposite another guy but this guy says this is the whole thing about the un the Duke. he's yeah, he's very honest what he says and i like what he i mean whether I agree with it or not, but I just like how he's pretty upfront with the whole uh, con game. What does he? What does he say? He says this whole uh, climate climate affecting the whole planet. He says you got to be. He, said, he, said, he breaks it down. Realistic. We have natural gases at this time of temperature. I haven't seen all the tweets yet, but if you go to his website, it explains it all. But he said basically it's a whole farce. You know, money. Government's got money for nothing. This is a whole economical. It's called a conspiracy. The economical deceit. But he said there's no climate emergency. That's what he's saying. There's no climate emergency. The planet happens on its natural resources. He, he puts it, go to his website. I took a look at a bit. And it's he's crazy. lying. He's lying. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Go, go to his website. You got to check it out and see what he says. Right? There's two guys. There's Clark. There's another guy on the tweet. I don't know what his name is. But he always has pictures of, uh, he's also in pictures of like massive destruction around the world. <laughs> he's yeah. like a bit of a, he's a bit of a sadist. <laughs> he says, yeah. you know, this looks like this earthquake. I don't like, I don't know where he gets all these videos from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he hasn't been on for a while. One day he had like, a, he had like, he had a drowning sheep in a mud river. I was like, this is where our house is going. It's like, okay, <laughs> do I really care right now? I mean, why are you showing me this? <laughs> you know, but like all these groups, I mean, okay, let's talk about Ontario Place, the whole thing on Ontario Place, what they want done and what they want, they don't want done, right? All these yeah. groups right now. I made a tweet, I wasn't being rude. I said, you know what? It's not enough having debates and conference talks and you want plans, but has it been passed? Has the government said, we're going to take your plans and all? I mean, it's just what I want to know. And I didn't get an answer. I've been mean, part of the conference groups a bit, the Ontario Place, save Ontario Place, whatever, you know, get back to Ontario. Well, Ontario Place is partly owned by the province and partly owned by the city. Yeah. Okay. And they're different discrete pieces of land. So the province owns most of it. So the province can do what they want. Just like if you own, if you were the yeah. province and you owned Ontario Place, you could decide to build something there, right? Well, I gotta go, I gotta go in one minute. I gotta say bye. Yeah. I'm gonna get cut off here. I gotta anyways. I'll say thank you very much for having me on the show. Great talking. We'll do another one before I'm gonna send you the videos. And thank you so much. I appreciate it. Lost track of time there. And have a good weekend. We'll talk again. You know? I love okay. to talk. Okay. I enjoy your I enjoy your insight. I love talking to you. I love it. Okay. Okay, good. Okay. You should be in City Hall. <laughs> so should you. I know. Okay. Green party, green party, brown party. <laughs> okay. Have a good weekend, eh? Okay, thank you. Okay, bye. Thanks, thanks, Gina. Thank you so much. Yeah, bye.